exclusive podcast from Impact 89 FM. WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89 FM. I'm your host, Alex Sharg, as usual. Every Monday from 7 to 8, I hope your turkey was great. I hope your Thanksgiving was wonderful as we arrive into a new holiday season. And that will be a BCS Bowl season, which unfortunately the Spartans will not be attending. But we'll get to the bowl that they are attending and more later in the show. Again, welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap. I'm Alex Sharg. To my left, usually we have David DeFever. He is working for Spartan Vision, so he will not be here today. So filling in for David today, we have Nate Siegel, who is a communication major with aspirations in public relations at Michigan State. He is an avid Detroit sports fan, a former hockey and soccer player, and he also is a fantasy expert and also a fantasy participant. So Nate, welcome to the show. Talk about your fantasy team this year just to start. What makes you the expert? What is your team have this year that just beats any other team nice to nice to be here Alex thanks for having me um you know this year I took a big risk on uh Adrian Peterson oh yeah you know coming off a big ACL injury big uh surgery off season in a lot of drafts he was dropping third fourth round you know I decided to reach out him take him second round and it's paid off ever since oh it's paid off in more ways than one especially against our Detroit Lion team (laughs) correct uh, a few weeks ago that was a uh, belligerent game when it comes to rushing against the Detroit Lions defense Uh, so yeah definitely that was a bold pick in Peterson Uh, so with a communication major you're trying to get into radio trying to get in you know trying to get your hands into more communication type stuff or what are you trying to do yeah, you know, uh, especially with this first opportunity being on the air, uh, I'm going to take full advantage of it and uh, hopefully get some feedback. I had some family friends tune in. Uh, so uh, I'm just going to see how this goes. And yeah, I'd love to be a part of radio. Very good. If it is your first time tuning in, if you are Nate's family friends out there, let me explain to you how the show works. We start with MSU Sports First. That's your basketball, football. If you want to hear a little bit about women's basketball, volleyball, send a tweet to at 89FM Sports Rap. You can also also call in at 517-432-3893. Again, the number is 517-432-3893. So MSU Sports First, any sports that we are not covering, send a tweet call in with any suggestions. After Michigan State Sports, we jump to your local. That's your Detroit Lions, Tigers, Red Wings. Oh my, no uh, Tigers really news as of now. So we're going to jump more into Pistons, Lions, and Red Wings today. Uh, We also have a little bit of national, which at 7.55, the last five minutes of the show, we have our goon of the week. And as suggested suggested by Nate Siegel, this is a very funny goon that you're going to want to stay tuned in for. So definitely keep your radio dialed in until 7.55. You can hear our goon of the week this week. So aside from that, we do have our Chad Ocho Zero segment. This actually started about two months ago when Chad Johnson just could not keep out of the media from changing his name from Ocho Cinco back to Johnson, from abusing his wife, from from basically not paying any child support and facing prison sentencing. This guy just can't stay out of the media. And I have some great news. This week, Chad Johnson has stayed out of the media, so we're not going to spend five minutes talking about Chad Johnson once and for all until he does so, until he gets back in, which hopefully he doesn't. We will stay out of his way for now. So we do have listeners all over the world. We have listeners as far as San Jose State University, as far as Miami, Florida, and even Israel. So we appreciate all of the international listeners on the Spartan Sports Wrap. So again, Alex Sharg, and at 7.15, uh, another segment of the show, we will have our special guest of the week, which this week it is Jeremy Sampson, who is from NBC in Lansing. That's W-I-L-X. A little bit about Jeremy before he comes on. He has, uh, well, actually, prior to the News 10 uh, in Lansing and NBC, 
He worked at another Lansing television station. Uh, he also was with the MSU Athletic Department and graduated from Michigan State. He's a Spartan through and through, uh, specialized uh, here with broadcast journalism back in 96. He also has a Michigan AP Sports Awards Award, so very excited to have Jeremy on, and he also is a very big golfer and basketball player, so uh, we're definitely going to talk a little bit about those kind of sports when we get him on the air as well. Also, one last thing before we start the show with our talk. We do have a special prize each week. Uh, you can win uh, a gift of the Spartan Sports Wrap. Uh, today's winner will receive a an entree of your choice, and that is for Cozy Restaurant in East Lansing. Uh, you can actually probably use this anywhere, but... It's from the, the Cozy Restaurant in East Lansing. The Impact will be hanging out uh, in East Lansing sometime later this semester where you could also win some cool prizes and more. But we'd also like to thank Cozy for their continued support and remind listeners that they may win once per week. So we have an entree from Cozy of your choice. If you get the question of the week correctly, how it works is each week we ask a question. And if you know the answer, you need to tweet at 89FM Sports Rap. Again, the Twitter handle at 89FM Sports Rap. So if you know the answer, you need to tweet. You can also call in. 517-432-3893 is the number. So the question this week, which we're also going to post on the Twitter in just a second here. So the question this week, what Detroit Lion ended his streak of consecutive starts on the Thanksgiving Day game against the against the Houston Texans. Which line was it? And how many starts did he have previous? If you know the answer to that, tweet or call in and you have the opportunity to win a Cozy entree. So, to start the show off real quick, we're going to get right into the Detroit Lions, especially because of the question of the week. So, the Thanksgiving Day game. And when we have Jeremy on at 7.15... We're going to talk about a tweet that he sent out, which to me is just the epitome of Detroit sports. I I was talking to Nate actually about this before the show. I can't wait to read this tweet when we have Jeremy back on with us at 7.15, but it is a tweet that just made my heart turn, my heart stop. I I just can't believe that for some fans out there that this is true. So the Lions dropping to the Houston Texans 34-31 on Thanksgiving to the Houston Texans. Uh, leading the Lions, it wasn't much when it, come, when it comes to our veterans. Uh, Jason Hansen missing a crucial field goal in overtime uh, that also was that was coupled with Graham's missed field goal. Graham is the kicker from the Houston Texans. That's Shane Graham. Uh, he missed his field goal as well, so it was a back-and-forth game. Uh, but some of the key issues that led to this loss was a call that could have been called back. And let me explain to you a little bit about what happened. Jim Schwartz was sitting there on the sideline. It was a normal play. Uh, What happened was there was a big, big run. It was an 81-yard touchdown run from Justin Forsett. uh, And Jim Schwartz basically knew that something wasn't right. Forsett appeared to be down. He appeared to be down after a short gain on a second and 10 play. Uh, the replays actually showed he was down, but no ref blew the whistle. Forsett kept running, and he led to an 81-yard touchdown run. That touchdown could have been the difference maker of this game. So when he scored, when it was down, uh, the what happened was all scoring plays can be reviewed. It's very evident that They can be reviewed. Jim Schwartz threw the challenge flag onto the field. But what happened was, by throwing that challenge flag, even though it was a reviewable play, he had a 15-yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalty, uh, the penalty that negated the review. And that led to so much criticism because if Jim Schwartz didn't throw that flag, it could have been a totally different outcome. Now, Nate, just to start off with the flag thrown, is it a dumb NFL rule that, you know, should the refs have made the call and, and it should have been evident? Or what's your take on it? You know, Schwartz, he really needs to know the rules. Um, even I was watching the game, the the announcers, they didn't even know the rule. But um, it is a rule. They're head coach in the NFL. But, you know, I really blame this call on the referees. They uh, Clearly, I'm watching a replay right now. His elbow and his knee were both down. Uh, they really blew the call. Maybe they didn't decide to blow the whistle because they knew it was going to be uh, reviewed anyway because it was a scoring play. 
But, uh, you know, refs refs really need to make that call. Right, yeah. And and it's so, I, I just don't understand because as a head coach, Nate, you know that if there is a call that's close on the field, if it's a close, if it's a call on the sideline that's even close, you know it's going to be reviewed. It's a rule that has been set for years. Of course. Now, if I'm Jim Schwartz and I see a call that's close and you know that it's close, there's no reason, out, even if it's out of gut instinct, to throw that flag. Now, obviously, I definitely see your side. The side that you're talking about is is that the refs needed to make the easy call. There's no excuse, even though the that, that the play wasn't most necessarily correct. The refs needed to make the call, regardless if it needed to go up to the booth. But before we get more into this, let's jump onto the phone with someone who wants to answer the question of the week. You are on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Who is this, and where are you calling from? Zach Sladek, calling from East Lansing, Michigan. Zach, welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap. Do you have an answer? Which lion uh, broke the record on Thanksgiving for most consecutive starts, and how many were there? Well, that's definitely Jeff Backus with 186. Congratulations, Ooh. Zach. You won the Spartan Sports Wrap Cozy Entree. Uh, if she, actually, if you hang up the phone and call Dylan back on the other line, you'll be able to come pick up your prize in the bottom of Holden Hall at the Sports Wrap Studios. But before I get you to call back, Dylan, I've got to ask you before we get more into this with Nate here. Uh, what was your take on Jim Schwartz's flag throwing that could have been called back? Oh, man, that was so painful to watch, wasn't it? Uh, well, oh, yeah, it I think was it was so frustrating. It'll be changed eventually, but it's too bad that it happened. It had to happen to the Lions, and uh, especially against a team like the Houston Texans. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if you're Jim Schwartz, and if you're the NFL, I mean, do you feel sorry enough? Should there be a rule change that even though the coach knows it's right, if he throws the flag... Should that negate the point? Is there no reason that he should have gotten that penalty to begin with? Should the NFL do something about it? Yeah, I think they will. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's going to change until after this season. So, you know, as as Lions fans, we're getting the short end of the stick there, but <laughs> I guess we just got to wait. <laughs> All right, very good. Again, congratulations, Zach. If you hang up the phone, call Dylan Bank on the main line. He will get you the instructions to pick up your prize and question of the week. Congratulations, Zach. All right, thanks a lot, Alex. All right, talk to you soon now. All right, so Nate, Zach winning the question of the week. Now, with Jim Schwartz's mistake, I mean, bad bad calls happen all the time. But the call that really made me really turn inside was most obviously, you know, that, that, that fumble. That fumble in overtime that led to so many opportunities from Houston. And we're going to jump down more and talk about Hanson's kick. And I want to talk about this because we are on the note of some of those calls and some of those plays that just did not turn out great. Now, when it comes to that Hanson kick, I mean, this is the guy that has been with the Detroit Lions for years. He's been with them for 0-16. He's been for them when we had Charlie Batch. He's been for them when he was drafted. Now, is this an expected kick for him to make? Obviously, there are so many intangibles. You know, if you're if you're you know in a Super Bowl with you know Adam Vinatieri and, he, and he's going to miss the kick, I mean that's something too. But this is Jason Hansen. This is this is against a Houston Texan team and an indoor stadium where there are not win conditions. Is this an expected kick for him to make? You know, I, I really believe so. I mean, this guy's been on the lines his entire career. Um, he's played indoors his entire career, Silver Dome, Ford Field. And uh, with Jason Hansen, you know, he, he's sticking around. You know, that means the lines are going for more consistency rather than power. So, uh, you know, he's played in the most Thanksgiving games out of any NFLer ever. Right. So uh, you kind of expect this guy to, to uh, perform well on Turkey Day and uh, really make his kicks, especially in pressure situations. You know, this guy's been through it. He's, he's a vet, you know, arguably bet, better kicker in the league. Now, I want to compare him. You know, this guy, he's in his 40s now. He's getting up there in age. How about a guy like Morton Anderson? Because there comes a guy, there comes a time when a kicker just sometimes cannot make kicks anymore. Morton Anderson, obviously, is Spartan. But, Mm -hmm. you know, there comes a time where he just couldn't kick anymore. Are we seeing that maybe from Hanson now? Is it getting to the point now for Hanson that, you know, his leg isn't really getting through anymore? You know, it, uh, it it might be something like that, but uh, like I said, I'm a I'm an avid fantasy football player, uh, <laughs> and my my friend actually he owns Jason Hansen, and he's been doing work all season. You know, I, I'm pretty sure he missed either three or four field goals this year, one being in the Thanksgiving game. 
But like I said, you know, Lions go for consistency. I think uh, even with his age, I trust I'd rather have a consistent kicker than uh, one that's going to go out and you know, make those 56-yarders. Right. And for the show's sake, you know, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say that even though he should have made it, this is this is Jason Hansen, this is MVP of the Detroit Lions in some people's eyes. But what I would say when it comes to making that kick, I mean, let's look at the fact that you know they did call a timeout before. There's always that mm-hmm. myth of 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 wasting the clock, you know, icing the kicker. If that actually helps, well, it's evident that it could have gone in his head a little bit, but it couldn't have been other than just icing the kicker. What if the fact that he missed that field goal was because the snap was a little bit low, too? You know, there are so many factors with that kick. A debated issue. If you want to talk about that and a little bit more, again, the number is 517-432-3893. Again, the number 517-432-3893. We're going to have Jeremy Sanson from NBCWILX Lansing here in just a minute. Maybe he has his opinion on Jason Hansen. But before we get him on, let's talk a little bit about Ndamukong Seuss' kick. Oh, excellent. We saw it last year on Thanksgiving. We see it again this year. Debatably a potentially, you know, basically a potential intended kick. It can be debated that he purposefully kicked the quarterback. Now, not sure if that eventually holds up. As of today, it's ruled that the NFL won't do anything about it. Now, everyone has their opinions. He was on the ground. His... It was totally accidental. He was trying to bring it to the ground. But that's completely different to me than stomping on a guy. Now, Nate, your call before we get Jeremy on the line here, was that an intentional kick or not? You know what? Even being a Lions fan, you know, I think it really might be. Uh, if you go back and watch the replay, he's falling backwards. He's ter- twist turned over. He doesn't really know where he is, but you could see that foot down come with some vengeance. It's not stomping. But it's still kicking, uh, still not a, a viable action in the NFL. And, you know, he's got a lot of history with fines for hits against Andy Dalton, DeLome's colors. Yeah, right, right, so, yeah. you know, I don't like it. Yeah, and, and I'm going to read something before we get Jeremy on right here. And this is what jo- the Dominican Sioux told ESPN the magazine. This is what he said, quote, I definitely understand how to channel my aggression in a, po- in a productive way. There are many reasons. One is I went through that situation last Thanksgiving, but also any man, any child grows up, but you learn from your mistakes or you go backward. I'm the kind of person who wants to move forward. My fire is still there. And when I get the full opportunity to unleash my fire, it's like I hit, it's like the hit I put on Jay Cutler. By no means am I trying to hurt him, but I'm going hundred miles per hour and trying to get him as quickly and as hard down to the ground as possible. That's the way I show my dominance, and I'm going to continue to do that. If that situation happens again with Cutler, I'm going to hit him the same way, if not harder. We're going to go to the phones. Let's get Jeremy Sampson on the line. Jeremy, welcome to the Spartan Sports Trap. Uh, I don't know if you were listening to the quote I just read from the Domkin Sioux. Uh, did you hear that quote? Hey, Alex, how are you? Yeah, I did hear it. So uh, what do you think about what he said? Did that contribute a little bit? to the NFL decision? Do you think that had, you know, did any NFL guy on that board look at what he did say and say, "Uh, I don't know about that statement? Well, I I think the issue that that he's having right now is that any play he makes, as borderline as it may be, because of his track record now, is going to be looked at in a negative light. Um, and, And he has to play as a defensive player in the NFL with a certain level of aggression and intensity. The question with him is he plays on the line and sometimes over it, as we saw last year on Thanksgiving Day. This year, I don't think that he meant to do that. And the reason why is if you look at where his head was when his leg extended, he was looking down at the turf and not where his leg was going. If his head would have been turned so he could see where he was extending his foot, I think that could have been a different situation. But his head was okay. pointing down, looking at the ground when his leg went out. That's a, but that's, because of his track record, right. it's, it's hard for people to look at that and say, well, it was just you know him making a, a hard play. Um, mm-hmm. Because hard plays and clean plays usually don't go hand-in-hand with Indominus Right. No, I definitely see that, that thought process. Now, 
Is there anything in the back of his mind? Do you think even though he had his head turned, is there any knowledge that, hey, that quarterback is somewhere in the pocket and he's right there? How about that thought process? Well, I mean, that's, that's his job is to go get the quarterback. So he knows where the quarterback is at all times. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Now, I think what this whole thing boils down to is an intent to injure. And is Indomitian Sue a quote-unquote dirty player? Because that's really what this talk is all about. His job, he gets paid to tackle the quarterback. And again, if you want to get into the bounty situation, mm-hmm. it's that fine line in the NFL between making a hard play and injuring somebody. But that's what he gets paid for. He gets paid to tackle the quarterback and do it viciously. Uh, I, you know, his track record, I, I don't think he's a dirty player. And, and I know a lot of people don't share my opinion. He made a huge mistake last year in that Thanksgiving Day game. But I think that's a young man who needs to learn how to control some of that anger and that rage that he takes with him out onto the field. Uh, very good. All right, for those of you just tuning in, we do have Jeremy Sans- Sampson from WILX 10 News, uh, also host of The Blitz on that station. Uh, Jeremy was a former MSU student. He graduated from here. He also worked at another Lansing television station prior to joining the News 10 sports team. So, Jeremy, uh, great to have you on again. Uh, before we get into more about Sue, I want to basically cap off the overall Thanksgiving loss. And I want to read a tweet of yours that just made my heart turn as I talked to listeners at the beginning of the show. Uh, And this is what it was. This is from Jeremy Sampson himself. Quote, number four just ruined my five-year-old's turkey dinner. My eight-year-old has never seen the Lions win on Thanksgiving. End quote. Some people have never seen the Lions win. It's a travesty. Travesty in eight years. Now, Jeremy, I mean, I just want to hear firsthand. I mean, your son, obviously, he's young. He's eight years old. But, I mean, this must hurt your son quite a bit. I mean, although he may not have the total picture of the Detroit Lions team, I mean, it definitely affects him. Well, yeah, and and I was, you know, a little bit in jest, too, when I said that he ruined, uh, Jason Hansen ruined his, his turkey dinner, but that's what he called them. Uh, is that number four. Actually, what he told me was was that I think was the the kicker for the Texans was at seventeen because he yeah. saw him warming up more on the sidelines. He thought he was better because he practiced more. <laughs> seventeen practiced more than number four did, so that made him better. <laughs> but yeah, my my eight year old daughter has you know had to sit through many a Thanksgiving Day games with her dad and. She's never seen the Lions win on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah. Now, now, do you expect, Jeremy, personally, do you expect a made field goal from Jason Hanton on that kick? Is that just some of the veteran responsibilities that he has? Yeah, I mean, at that point, um, with everything that he's been through in his career, yeah, you, you kind of expect him to make that kick. Um, he's not the kicker that he was five years ago or even ten years ago. He's still a very good kicker in the NFL. Mm-hmm. But that's one that, that you kind of think he's going to make 75% of the time. Right. Now, a little bit more into the offense. Uh, Calvin Johnson, obviously, with a pretty good day. On pace now for more yards, but fewer touchdowns. Now, is this a good season for Johnson, even though he is on pace for more yards? Uh, is there that Madden curse in there? Do you believe a little bit into that? I believe in the Madden curse wholeheartedly. (laughs) I did not touch Calvin Johnson in any of my fantasy drafts this year, and there was a reason for that. Yeah, Uh I mean, he's still leading the league in receiving yards. So, you know, you can't say he's having a bad year. And it's tough to duplicate the touchdown numbers he had the year before, uh, for sure. But uh, it's not, I don't think, what he expected. And, And in large part, I think, has... Some of that has to do with the play of Matthew Stafford because he has not been as sharp this year as he was last year. Uh, yeah, very good. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about Spartan basketball because I actually saw you there covering that a little bit. Uh, confidence in Bird and Nix's captains. I know you saw the harsh words from Tom Izzo following the Louisiana Lafayette game. Uh, what are your thoughts with Bird? And you know, even Izzo said, I don't care if Bird doesn't shoot the ball well. 
but he just <laughs> needs to stop turning over the ball. But there are times, Jeremy, that I would argue that you know Bird really wasn't a vocal leader. He, although he was not making his shots, in some games he did not turn it over. There were times in the game that he just didn't have a grasp uh, on being that team leader and making plays happen. Now, what are your thoughts on our team captains here? I think sometimes because of how much Tom Izzo talks about leadership of his basketball teams, too much is made out of who's a team captain and who isn't. You know, Mateen Cleaves, uh, Travis Walton, those kind of guys don't come around very often. Mm-hmm. Uh, Draymond Green, those guys, they don't come around very often. And in between those players, Michigan State had a little bit of a leadership lull. There wasn't that automatic guy that you go to. The, the leader of this team should be Keith Appling. He's the guy who's leading them offensively. He's playing 40 minutes a game right now because Travis Trice is hurt. He's doing everything that Tom Izzo has asked him to do. He's not turning it over at the alarming rate that everybody else on the team is. But he is not a vocal guy. It's not in his DNA. And it's very difficult to make somebody into something that they're not. But he is the leader of this team on the floor. He may not be the vocal guy in the in the locker room. It was funny because I asked one of the players, I think it was uh, Brandon Dawson, about who was a vocal guy in the huddle. Yeah. Because that's the other thing that Tom looks at, is who speaks up in the huddle mm-hmm. and, and who talks in the huddle. And he told me Brandon Kearney. And that surprised me a little bit. I mean, yeah. that's where I was hoping he was going to say, Keith has stepped up. Keith is in the huddle. Keith, mm-hmm. But that's not... Unfortunately, it's not in his DNA. So I think because Tom talks about leadership so much, there's a little bit too much being made of what Derek brings. I mean, Derek brings the voice. Yeah. He's, the, he's the guy who stands up in the locker room and things need to be said, and he says them. And they chose Russell because everybody likes Russell. Yeah. Russell's a very likable guy. He's been through a lot of adversity during his time here at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. And we're slowly starting to see the kind of player he can be. He's nowhere near the shooter that we saw in high school. He's going to get there, in my opinion, because he's going to keep working at it. But right, he's not. Right. he just doesn't have the confidence now. So it, when you say, you know, what about the two leaders? They're different kind of leaders than Michigan State's had before. But the guy who's going to lead them on the floor when push comes to shove is Keith Applin. Uh, very good. No, some great points you made. Now, obviously, you know, for media day, this is the time, one of the first times that Izzo said that, you know, basically the players chose the captains, the coaches uh, happened to agree with both choices, but uh, do you think that when it comes to a college basketball uh, a college basketball coach, uh, especially with Izzo's case here, with Brandon Kearney being the vocal guy so far, and it could have been shown more even before the season started, do you think the coach has that responsibility to choose the captain, although the players may not agree with the same thing? No, because Tom's motto is a player-coach team is better than a coach-coach team. And that's where you start to give your players some ownership in their team by choosing their captains. If you're going to choose their captains for them, well, now you're just running the team. But this gives them some ownership in it. And that's an important thing to get to a player-coached team. Um, Unfortunately, like I said, this team just doesn't have that one guy. Kearney could turn into that guy. He played very well off the bench yesterday. He's played very well defensively, starting to shoot the ball a little bit, look for his offense a little bit more. He just needs to be a little bit more consistent, um, and that's his thing. Once, you know, uh, Trace gets back, you know, and, and I guess the reports, I wasn't at practice today, but I guess, you know, the reports are that Trace says you're going to have to, you know, basically, um, you know, hold me down in the chair to keep me off the floor at Miami. Right. You know, they're going to get him back, which is going to help. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to help Keith because he's not going to be able to play the whole season going 40 minutes a game. Uh, he's going to need a little bit of a break. Um, and we see flashes of really good play from Denzel Valentine, and then we see flashes of why Tom is so frustrated with freshmen because he's making lazy passes and doing things that you can't, that he could get away with at the high school level that he can't get away with here. 
Right. And even, besides with Trice, even Gary Harris saying, quote, I definitely do want to play when we get to Miami. We'll just see. It depends how I'm feeling, end quote. Uh, Harris obviously wanted to get on the court, too, along with Trice. So uh, we'll see if they come on and back in full force. Jeremy, I want to thank you for joining me on the Sports Wrap today. You definitely had some great points. One last thing before you leave. What were your thoughts on Kid Rock at halftime <laughs> on Thanksgiving Day? Is he past his prime? Uh, would you have liked to see someone else? Well, <laughs> I'm going to date myself here. All right, very good. Um, back in the day, and this is way back in the day, I saw Kid Rock before he was Kid Rock oh. in downtown East Lansing at a, a local establishment. Uh, the Small Planet used to be in downtown East Lansing, and that was a long time ago. And there were lots of jokes on Twitter about how can a guy with an AARP card be called <laughs> Kid Rock. Yeah. Um, so there was plenty of that going on. Um, you know, I'm kind of, you know so-so on Kid Rock. I like some of his music, some of it I can do without. Um, The thing about him is he's all about Detroit. And if you're going to showcase Detroit to the country, to the nation, and you're going to do it musically, one of the guys you're going to think of automatically is Kid Rock. So I didn't have a problem with them choosing him. Um, You know, maybe it's time for him to change his name at some point to Grandpa Rock. I don't know if he'll do that or not, but uh, uh, I, I thought it was okay. All right, very good. Thanks again, Jeremy. Uh, Hopefully we'll have you on the Sports Wrap soon in the near future. All right, look forward to it. Uh, You guys have a good holiday season. You too, Jeremy. Thanks a lot. All right, Nate. So we're going to jump to a quick break here at the Spartan Sports Wrap. When we come back, more Lions talk, a lot of what Jeremy said. He said some very good points. We'll get to at the next half hour. Again, you're listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89FM. You're listening to Impact Exposure. General, we've just received word of an invasion. Speak quickly, maggot. Is it those Canadians again? I don't know, sir. We just heard that Monday at 8 p.m. the Impact will be invaded. You stupid ninny. That's the Asian invasion. It's the poppiest, catchiest, and all-around toe-tapping his music out of the Korea, Japan, and China. But, sir, I'm no good with Asian dialects. Shut up and listen to the music, private. That catchy beat knows no language barrier. Now move out, everyone. Sir, yes, sir. The Asian invasion. Monday nights from 8 till 10 on The Impact. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Thursday nights from 10 until 2 a.m. Listen to the Hours of Power, the scariest and only metal show in the mid-Michigan area. Only on Impact Primetime. Now back to Impact Exposure. Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact 89 FM. If you are just tuning in or joining us, I'm Alex Sharg. I'm your host every Monday from 7 to 8 p.m. on your FM dial. That is 88.9. Just a reminder, you can listen online. If you're getting out of your car, if you're getting into a shady spot, you can't get really the audio or you can't get the FM transmission, uh, you definitely want to listen online. That's impact89fm.org. You can stream it anywhere in the world, online, MP3, wherever or whatever you want it in. So definitely keep staying tuned uh, for weeks to come. We will have more special guests in weeks and more prizes, unfortunately, First prize, special, uh, first uh, question of the week prize got off right away from Zach, uh, from Zach Slater. So, congrats again to him. I just want to remind all of you that uh, in future weeks we will keep having these these uh, special prizes here at the Sports Wrap. So you definitely want to stay tuned. So, if you just missed before the break, we also had NBC's WILX Lansing's. Host, uh, sports host, that was Jeremy Sampson joining us on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Uh, he talked about how his eight-year-old, uh, his eight-year-old has never seen a Lions win. Uh, ruined the Thanksgiving for him. Uh, that is just definitely quite a scene. Uh, basically, I want to get your thoughts on this, Nate. Uh, uh, besides for the fact that his eight-year-old has never seen a win, uh, I want to talk what I asked uh, Jeremy about. And that was about Ndamukong Sue's kick. I mean, that obviously warranted a lot of concern with the NFL, uh, especially with that quote that I read earlier. And if you're just tuning in, I'm going to read the quote one more time just to catch you up on what you may have missed. This is what Ndamukong Sue said. Quote, 
I definitely understand how to channel my aggression in a productive way. There are many reasons. One is I went through that situation last Thanksgiving. But also, any man, any child grows up. You learn from your mistakes or you go backward. I'm the kind of person who wants to move forward. My fire is still there. And when I get the full opportunity to unleash my fire, it's like I hit. It's like the hit I put on Jay Cutler. By no means am I going to try to hurt him, but I am going 100 miles per hour and trying to get him as quickly and as hard down to the ground as possible. That's the way I show my dominance, and I'm going to continue to do that. If that situation happens again with Cutler, I'm going to hit him the same way, if not harder. End quote. Now, your thoughts on the quote? I mean, if you're the guy, if you're judging to to find Ndamukong suit. Are you looking on that quote and about his aggression and that dominance? And could that maybe doubt what you will, you know, would, would that have doubted him not getting the fine at all? You know, I don't think you can take anybody, any football player who says anything about aggression. You know, they're all aggressive. I think, you know, you, you look to a guy from Ray Lewis to Ed Reed, I guess anybody on the Baltimore Ravens defense. But, you know, all around the league, everybody's aggressive. But, you know, this guy time and time and time again continues to show his uh, lack of knowing where he's on the field and what he's doing to these guys. You know, if you if you look back on hits on uh, you know the Jay Cutler personally, it was oh, just yeah. it was just a shove. You know, a strong shove. But if you go back to when he threw down Jake DeLome and threw down Andy Dalton, yeah. it, it was just vicious. And you know, and and coupled with his uh, off the field things with uh, a little bit of speeding here, a little bit of crashing into trees there. You know, this guy, you know, like like uh, Jeremy said, I think he needs to grow up a little bit. Yeah, no, that's very clear. Uh, I think it's funny in this quote that he compares himself maybe to a child growing up. Uh, he also says, well, he, here's the thing that I'm not so sure if it was the aggression because he says, I'm going 100 miles per hour and trying to get him as quickly and as hard down to the ground as possible. Now, I don't know if you're trying to get him down so right. hard as a player. Uh, uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I guess when he says something like that, that kind of questions your thoughts on if he's just trying to make a tackle or if he actually is trying to injure the guy. You know, right, yeah. guys go out there to get sacks, but, you know, eh, saying something like that publicly really does not help his image and right, help right. his uh, cause to not getting fined. <laughs> well, actually, what he did say in addition to that statement, he talked about the Lions are insanely dangerous and will win multiple Super Bowls. So although okay. that he did, you know, get a little bit of the aggression out, even in his quote, he did talk about the Lions potentially potentially winning. He said this, uh, actually, this was respo- in a response about his relationship with uh, his uh, with a friend of his. Her name's Lolo Jones. She's a U.S. Olympian. Uh there was a comment made about superposing to her with the Super Bowl ring. Uh, he said that they're good friends, not dating. But this is what he continued to say. He said, quote, We will not be getting engaged because I won't be giving that Super Bowl ring up. Maybe I'll use the second one I get for that. I do see multiple Super Bowl rings in my future, especially with the team we have now. We're a team where, if we don't make mistakes, we are insanely dangerous, end quote. Now, some of those mistakes... We're going to jump to another Lions topic right here because there were just too many mistakes in that game to not talk about. Now, let's talk about the mistakes made from Matthew Stafford. I mean, so much inconsistency. We've seen it from the 50-yard line, you know, three straight passes, third and 10. You no, know, go for the punt. Uh, are you in... I mean, do, does he have anything to do with uh, Calvin's lack of touchdowns, in your opinion? Uh, how about even the fact that you know his numbers are going down a little bit as a quarterback, even per, even uh, even even completion percentages? Oh yeah, I think uh, he's probably the number one reason for uh, Calvin's struggles. If if any Calvin, if Calvin does have any struggles this year, uh, you know, compared to last year, uh, I mean. Last year, it looks like you finished with over 5,000 yards. I, I didn't expect that coming into this season, but, you know, I expected, like you said, more consistency, um, especially, you know, building on his season, not not going down the steps, you know. I I, uh, I expected his touchdown-interception ratio to be a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's 14 touchdowns, 10 interceptions this year. Yeah. Um, you know, he's throwing balls over receivers' heads. He's not on the same page. But, I mean, also, it's it's a little bit of distrust, I guess, with uh, some of his receivers. He's got a rookie in Ryan, Ryan Broyles, got someone who can't stay on the field in Titus Young, and uh, it looks like and Burleson's uh, hurt for the rest of the season. 
So when you're trying to rely on a guy like Calvin Johnson, who's continually drawing double coverage, especially around the end zone, you know, it can be tough for a quarterback, but no, he is not making the throws. You know what? That's the thing, though, also, because although that he is not making the throws, he does take some fault. The good thing is I'd rather have Stafford in there than Sean Hill. Very oh, evident. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, Mar- <laughs> the Maryland walk-on, obviously, of uh, really isn't our go-to guy when it comes to winning games and making those plays. But you know what? Here's another way to look at it. With those four wins that we did get, he did come very clutch in those four wins. There were some big plays that Pettigrew down the middle in a couple of those yeah. games. Uh, you know, he did make some really precise, you know, very precise passes and double coverage. So, you know, there are times where, yeah, he does shine. So, you know, I'm going to make the argument that without him, you know, we should not have won, you know, won some of those games. So if you, the listener, feels otherwise, 517-432-3893 is the number. Again, 517-432-3893 if you want to comment uh, discuss any of our topics that we have talked about so far. You definitely want to you know, tweet at us and stay tuned for that. Uh, gonna read a couple tweets that we're getting in here. If you want to tweet on us, uh, tweet at us. Excuse me. That's at eighty nine FM Sports Wrap again. The Twitter name at eighty nine FM Sports Wrap. Uh, this is coming for our our sports panelist John Yales. Uh, all big first ten teams were voted by the coaches and the media. Uh, so, uh, uh, making those uh, those teams, the media announced Le'Veon Bell, and so did the coaches. But the coaches put Max Bullock, Johnny Adams, Darquez Denard, and Mike Sadler on the big, the all big first team. So congratulations to those Spartans. The media not putting Bullock, Adams, Denard, or Sadler on just just Le'Veon Bell. So obviously some criticism. Uh, are there any guys that you would put with Le'Veon Bell on there that that maybe aren't there? How about a you know, obviously, it's very hard, you know, to put a guy like Will Golston on there. I mean, the guy's very dominant, but there's a lot of good defensive ends in the Big Ten. Oh, yeah, no doubt. But uh, if you're getting my honest opinion, I don't think any of them really deserve to be on that list. Uh, obviously, Le'Veon should be on that list. But, um, you know, I think if uh, a guy like Aaron Burbridge would have played all season, maybe uh, D'Antonio would have let him step on field. Uh first game instead of what it, what it was halfway through the season, right. um, I think he could have made some uh, some big plays and really helped out Maxwell. Right, yeah, and you know what's most puzzling to me is that Will Golston not only didn't make the first team, but he was honorable mention for just the second team. Really? Will Golston not even making the second team. <sighs> so, I mean, that guy is definitely our core center to that defense. Right. You know, Darquez, Denard, Johnny Adams, yeah pre-ranked as the best, you know, cornerback yeah. crew in the Big Ten. But, you know, there were times where they let, they let up those big plays. I'm not sure if I'm so happy with those guys, you know, as our main foundation representing our team on defense. Do you agree with me? Yeah, you, you even said to yourself, you don't agree. Uh, but uh, even besides those, obviously there's no reason why Dan Conroy should be on this list. Which, <laughs> not at all. Thank goodness he is not. Uh, I do want to talk about uh, some of the guys who didn't make this list uh at first team quarterback, Taylor Martinez making it over Braxton Miller. Uh, those thought some people may think that that might have been a little bit of a surprise. Um, also making the Big Ten first team, we're gonna jump to Jonathan Hankins, who's defensive tackle from Ohio State, uh, from uh, Detroit actually, originally from Detroit. So uh, good for him for making that team. Uh, one other very important thing to note: no University Michigan player on defense. That's great. None. It's <laughs> great to hear. Yeah, yeah, good to, good to hear. But I just think it's puzzling, especially, you know, with the kind of season they've had. I mean, you know, obviously they're not as, you know, as strong as they are on offense compared to defense, but guys like Kovacs, guys like mm-hmm. Craig Rowe, these are the guys, you know, that make up, you know, that 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 big pressure that, you know, that the University of Michigan puts on. Any thoughts about those two guys? No, yeah. I mean, they're all uh, real experienced guys, you know, Kovacs kind of runs that defense. Um, you know, going into this year, I obviously had my bias uh, against against right. the University of Michigan as a whole as a football team. But you know, they really performed. They they shut us down. They've uh, obviously struggled against uh, better opponents in Ohio State. But uh, I mean, all season they 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 played really well, especially when uh, their offense was turning over the ball more than usual. So yeah, I'm I'm a little surprised they're not on that list. Right, and of course, we're not surprised again about Dan Conroy. You know, missing the one field goal per game and missing nine field goals total for the year. Last year, as you said, he only missed five. Now, we're going to get a little bit into our criticism on Dan Conroy. Uh, fell short of expectations, of course. Now, 
is there more needed recruiting when it comes to kickers? Uh, do you blame it on the coaches or the special teams coach? Uh, are you going to give Kevin Muma a try next year? What is your thought, Nate, on the kicker? You know, I think uh, after the guy misses, you know, numerous, numerous field goals, you can't have that when you can't get in the end zone like the Spartans couldn't this year. Um, yeah, I think with a guy like Kevin Muma, as you can see, he's got the power. He, he does do, uh, do our kickoffs and uh, a numerous amount of touchbacks. You know, I think uh, I think the the Packers are actually going through a similar thing with their kicker, Mason Crosby, right now, and it looks like that the Spartans took a similar path with that they're not going to sit him, but they want to maybe overcome, let him overcome his own obstacles by, even though he is missing him, you know, there there might be that one that he does make that you know really might boost his confidence and get him get him on a roll, but yeah, obviously it didn't work this year, right? And there's also that one that he could have made that maybe Kevin Muma could exactly. Not have made, you know? It seems that he misses those really lengthy field goals, but he misses the you know field goals between 25 and 40. Yep. But let's just talk a little bit about Kevin Muma for a second. This is a guy who was selected to play in the 2009 Michigan High School Football Coaches Association All-Star Game. You know, this is back in 2009. Kevin Muma, you know, not even coming out until 2010, 2011. So, you know, obviously showing as a junior, he did have what it took. Uh, in that game, he kicked a 41-yard field goal for the East, sent both kickoffs into the end zone. So wow. this is a guy with a lot of potential. Uh, he also, last year as a redshirt, was an academic All-Big Ten selection. Uh, so he's definitely got a little bit of, of both worlds when it comes to, you know, to sports and academics. Uh, Fourth-year player now, heading into his third season, uh, obviously starting kickoff specialist uh, with with Conroy now gone. Uh, we should see him a lot next year, so hopefully it will come in full circle. Uh, and you know what? When it comes to should they recruit a little bit more, you know, I'm going to disagree because Kevin Amuma and Dan Conroy both, these were pretty heavily recruited guys. You know, yep. Muma, two, three-star guys, that's that's an acceptable rate for a kicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's according to Rivals and Scout, of course. But you know what? I mean, there's all, there's all, there's there's always so much you can do as a kicker. And, and it's just so, there's so many intangibles, as you know, when it comes to speed, when it comes to, you know, getting the best the best angles on kicks. So, you know, and even some of the games, some of the snaps could have been a little bit low, a uh, little for us to know. But uh, I guess that we'll just have to see what happens next season. Now, 7.46 is the time right now on the Spartan Sports Wrap. Uh, if you want to call in any topics about, or if you want us to talk about anything in particular, 517-432-3893. Again, the number 517-432-3893. We have Dylan behind the glass taking calls. We're going to get him on the air, actually, in a couple minutes now. Uh, his thoughts on Michigan State football. Uh, so, so I want to talk now, Nate, a little bit about uh, the the mid, well, basically end of season review. And this is okay. the time now. The season's finally over. The six and six Spartan football team barely, barely clinching onto a bull berth. Uh, let's just start it off with Andrew Maxwell because this is the guy that all the criticisms wrote on all year. Now uh, we've got a guy named Damian Terry coming in next year. He's going to compete with them. Maybe even Tyler O'Connor right now behind him. Uh, are you looking to keep him for another year? See him progress, Nate. If you're Mark D'Antonio, uh, obviously we're not there in practices, but uh, are you gonna give you know some more opportunities in the game for some of these younger guys? You know, if I was Mark D'Antonio, I think you got to stick with your guns. You know, coming coming off probably the two best seasons in Spartan football history, I think it's a lot to put on a guy's shoulders. Uh, yeah, he was he was a uh, backup to Kirk Cousins throughout his entire career. Uh, gained a lot of experience even off the field uh, that way. But, you know, for for all the mistakes and the mishaps he had this season, the guy passed for over 2,500 yards uh, and 13 touchdowns and, you know, had a quarterback rating of over 100. It's nothing special, right. but, uh, you know, I think you got to keep him out there. I don't think bringing in a new guy onto uh, onto this offense that Maxwell has studied and learned over the past three years would do any good. Now, here's where I'm going to argue with you. You know, you say... You know, quarterback rating percentage is pretty good. 13 touchdowns, good, not great. Now, you know, this is going to come to my overall analysis of analysis of the program. This is not the John L. Smith era anymore. Not at all. This is Mark D'Antonio. <laughs> this is eight to nine win seasons, bull bursts for six consecutive years. This is the heart of a Spartan era, as Jack Ebling once wrote. But the thing about it is, although he is getting the job done, 
not necessarily, you know, not making a bowl or anything. I feel like there comes a time now with the way this team is structured. We're starting to steal some recruits from Michigan and State. We're starting to develop a lot more pro talent. Uh, there comes a time now where I think you have to step aside as a coach and say, although he's good, we want someone who's going to make the most impact. Now, coming in next year, Damian Terry, a lot of hype. Erie, Pennsylvania native, uh, can run a little bit more than Maxwell, not necessarily as speedy as a Denard Robinson, but he's got some wheels. Uh, accuracy, we'll see if it holds up in the Big Ten, but you know, I'd be looking to give him the try. You know, mobile quarterbacks in the Big Ten, as you know, are very successful. Braxton Miller, Denard Robinson. So, you know, when it comes to you know making the biggest impact, he might be the option. Mm-hmm. If you think otherwise, 517-432-3893, who are you going to give a look at towards quarterback? Who are you going to go with when it comes to anything and improving this team? Uh, let's talk a little bit about our coaching staff. As you saw earlier, an article talking about Coach Narduzzi possibly leaving for Beantown. It would be terrible. Uh, yeah, it sure would. He's do- definitely done wonders for this team. Uh, your thoughts with him not there, would this be a totally different team and outcome? You know, I think it uh, it might have a huge impact. I mean, you saw when Treadwell left for, uh, I think it was Ball State, took the head yeah, coaching yeah, yeah, job. Yeah, right, right. You know, I mean... The offense, the offensive firepower really dropped off. And, you know, the biggest critic probably of this Michigan State Spartan team is the new offensive coordinator, Dan Rochar. So, you know, I think with a mastermind like Narduzzi uh, working with all the talent that he has on this defense, also with his recruiting abilities, right. I think it would be a huge loss to this Michigan State team. Right, absolutely. Narduzzi, the guy, you know, he's forming Will Golson. He's forming Danico Salen. He's forming these guys that are getting looks, you know, into this professional level that, you know, only quarterbacks and running backs would get years ago. Mm-hmm. Obviously would be a big loss. Uh, now let's jump to Le'Veon Bell, this guy. Top five in rushing, most touches in the nation. 11 touchdowns total. Now, uh, are you pleased with his season? Uh, obviously not having that breakaway speed that some running backs do have, but, uh, you know, he was the core anchor. You know, 150 yards a game, you know, he... He definitely, you know, put on some shows, uh, hurdling, hurdling guys, shifting, Numerous spinning. Times. Yeah, uh, uh, your thoughts on Bell season is pro potential. Anything in those matters? You know, I think uh, Bell had a great season, uh, and will have a good good game. I think in this upcoming bowl game, uh, with over fifteen hundred yards, you know, the guys running this offense on his back. Um, even start, starting with the Boise State game, like you said, with the jump and more more jumps to come along. But, uh, you know, I think he did all he could. I think it's a lot like uh, Calvin's doing with the Lions, you know. With the talent that's around him, he's doing the best he can. He's chugging along, uh, <laughs> right, right. really trying to get in the end zone. But, you know, with a measly 4.7 yards per attempt right. compared to these other top running backs, you know, I don't think the team's really helping him at all. Right. Uh, now, they're facing TCU. Projection is against TCU. Possibly Oklahoma State was talked about a little bit earlier. Maybe in Iowa State, but it's looking like TCU. Mm-hmm. Predictions for the game early, Nate. Uh, are you nervous about TCU? You know, they got those wild formations. Uh, uh, talk a little bit about your thoughts. You know, I, I, I definitely am nervous. I think going into every single game this year, I've been nervous. Um, but I think it's you know it's going to be a lot on Maxwell completing those throws. You know the, this defense that we have is ranked nationally top twenty, if not top ten. You know Maxwell's got to make his throws. Like I just said, Le'Veon's going to do his part, but Maxwell's got to make these throws, and these receivers have to catch the ball. So yeah, I I am scared <laughs> uh, overall. Yeah. But you know any Southern college football team, I'm scared of. Right. Yeah. And even with TCU, you know this is a team that is so inconsistent. And when it comes to receivers catching the ball, when it comes to making the right play calls, they'll they are definitely have to gonna do their work on starting this TCU team. Seven minutes left in the show now at the Spartan Sports Wrap. Want to remind you, it's not too late to call in five one seven four three two three eighty nine three. We're gonna jump a little bit now into some MSU basketball as we saw this past week. Some ups and downs with turnovers and and breakaways and. Close games, almost blowing a couple close games. Uh, some things to note. They faced Louisiana Lafayette uh, Sunday in East Lansing. They lost that game 63-60. to 20 turnovers total. 
20 in 40 minutes of basketball from the Michigan State Spartans. Those 20 turnovers, five of those coming from Derek Nix, four of those, uh, excuse me, four of those coming from, oh, excuse me, two of those coming from Derek Nix, but primarily four of those turnovers from Russell Bird. Also, five turnovers from the freshman Denzel Valentine. Izzo talking about the left-handed full-court pass that he made, was not a fan of that. Uh, a lot of costly mistakes. Izzo said it was almost like giving gifts to them on Christmas. Uh, now, you know, he said it's not like we were, you know, it's not like it was a, a steady play and we turned the ball over. This was, here you go, go down for a breakaway. <laughs> so, you know, this is basically Tom Izzo bashing, bashing his starters and the team. Now, your thoughts on the turnovers? Do you think the turkey just got a hold of them on Thanksgiving? Uh, Oh, what was it? Was this just a good team? I mean, leading the Louisiana Lafayette uh, region Cajuns, they had Alfred Payton with 20 points, seven steals uh, with all the turnovers. Yeah, you're going to get seven right. steals. But uh, 20 points, six rebounds, four for six from the free throw line, uh, 39 minutes. Uh, also leading that team, 16 points from center Sean Long, who also was three for five from three-point range. Uh was this team just too good, this Raging Cajun team, or are you going to fault the, the MSU Spartans? I'm going to put the blame on the Spartans. Uh, I think any criticism on a Tom Izzo Spartan team, I guess in the past few years, has been their problems with turnovers. Uh, it looks like in the past two games, including that uh, game against Louisiana, Louisiana Lafayette, they had 40 turnovers in, in all. Um, and you know what? I, I think sometimes they they like to play this fat, fast break offense. You know, kind of take their momentum when they uh, grab a, a, a defensive board. Yeah. But um, you know, sometimes I think they just need to slow it down, let the play develop around them, yeah. and uh, you know, let Appling do his job. Right, and even Jeremy said, you know, Appling he sees Appling is the leader for this team, mm-hmm. slowing the game down, letting Appling really set the tone. Now, uh, when it comes to the captains, we didn't really get to this with you. Are you impressed with Derek Nix and Russell Bird? I, I know you caught the Oakland game. Uh, obviously, that was a pretty good win. The Valentine brothers facing off, too. Uh, and then the game before that. Uh, what did you see in those games, and, and what did you see in our captains? You know, I, I really can't say I've seen anything from our captains. I, I haven't seen anything on the court. I haven't heard anything off the court. And I really agree with Jeremy. I think even even if he's not going to be a vocal leader, I think Keith, Ath- Keith Appling needs to just every every guy in this team needs to look up to him and how he plays and how he runs the point. Even if the guys who don't play in the guard position, they need to look how he presents himself and plays on the court because uh, you know he's he's running this team right now. He's won a couple of games for us single handedly, and uh, especially like Jeremy said, his minutes he he can't continue to play forty minutes. So other guys are going to have to step up, and like like I said, you know those guys should be Derek Nix and Russell Bird. Absolutely. Now, uh, when it comes to you know injuries to Harrison Trice, you were talking about this earlier. Uh, the maybe coming back from Miami, how important is that? This is a Miami ACC challenge. Very, oh, it's very important. You know, Harris showed us in those first two games. I know we lost against UConn, but during the Kansas game, he he took over. He's the best shooter on this team. Right. Right. Um. And especially with Trice going down, too. He's a great basketball IQ as well. Mm-hmm. So I think when those guys come back, the, the turnovers will go down and we'll have more, you know, not as close wins. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully that will hold up. Only two and a half minutes left in the show. Uh, real quick before we get to our uh, – let's jump to the goon of the week, actually, right now. We'll get a little bit of pistons at the end of the show. This is from Nate Siegel. Nate, talk a little bit about the 4th and 29 that you saw that made – even the chain guys as the goons of the week. Yeah. So if you guys weren't watching, overtime, San Diego Chargers and the Baltimore Ravens, Baltimore has the ball on their own 37-yard line and are down to their last play, 4th and 29. And uh, they send all their receivers streaking. Joe Flacco's looking down the field, can't find anything. So he decides to dump it off to Ray Rice. Great runner, great running back. And I'm watching the replay right now. He goes along the right side of the field, cuts middle, starts going left, and the entire San Diego defense does not touch him until he runs across the first down, gets the first down, they kick a game-tying field goal, and eventually go on to kick the game-winning field goal. So I would think the goon of the week 
goes to the San Diego Chargers defense. Absolutely. And along with the defense, what we did talk about <laughs> earlier was actually he was short of the of the first down. He was actually a yard short. The replays, as you said, show that his knee hit the ground one yard short. Well, the reason for him getting that first down was that the chain movers on the sideline already reset the chains so the play was not reviewable in turn. Now, if you're the coach, and this isn't a Jim Schwartz situation where you're throwing the flag and you're getting the penalty. This is the chain mover's fault. You know, as much as the San Diego defense, we both have to agree on this one. The chain movers, these are the ultimate <laughs> goons of the week. You blew the game completely for the San Diego Chargers and ultimately the game-winning field goal. Uh, you know, this leads to an, a, a really quick question. I mean, should there be really some, some more uptight, you know, should there be some further investigation to these chain guys? Yeah, maybe, you know, with all the technology going on, with new, new replay rules and all that, why not use this technology to really help place the ball where it should be? There's no reason guys should lose out on first downs and lose the game because, you know, the referee and the chain gang, you know, couldn't get couldn't get on the same page and and you know they they lose the ball and turn the ball over so you know I think maybe some changes need to be, be, to be need to be made absolutely uh new with lockout real quick before we end the show Bertuzzi saying that he sees there being a loss in a year also as Nate talked about uh some mediators being called into negotiating the lockout some some federal guys getting you know into basically Getting the hockey started at some point soon. That will do it for us at the Spartan Sports Trap. Great to have Nate Siegel on with us as the special guest along with Jeremy. For today's show, I'm Alex Shark, and to my left, Nate Siegel. And we'll be back next week on Impact 89FM. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.